Welcome to the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Today's special, Tatar Sauce on Colorado Perch. I'm sorry. It was there. I went there. Uh, you can reach us, sports1440.ca, iHeartRadio, Radio Player Canada. Text or call us at 1-833-401-1440 or on Twitter at Low Tide at Declan Kruger, U-E-G-E-R. Kruger. Lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name of the same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. WolfGMCBuick.com. Our guest today, Mark Canazero from the New York Post. We'll talk wild and crazy Monday night football game and the end of a, an era and the season for the Jets or at least Super Bowl hopes. Man, that hurt. Oh my. That is, that is a tough way for Aaron Rodgers to possibly lose his career. We hope he'll be able to come back, but at 39, that looked uh, pretty... At first, it looked like, oh, well, big whoop, but then you see the, you know, over and over and over again. It was like Theismann last night, and his injury against Lawrence Taylor seemed to last forever. Cam Lewis from the Blue Jays Nation will give us the rundown on the pennant race. I watched the game last night. Vladdy has a hitch in his giddy-up. That's what's wrong there. We'll talk about that and more. NHL rumors to tar to Colorado is the big one, but there are others happening. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Edmonton Oilers and that roster. I know you've heard it all, but we've got a few tweaks and a few things we want to discuss, and we will do that today. Uh, so there's there's really two or three places we can start today. But I think because of the 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 nature, the mammoth nature of the Aaron Rodgers injury, and what it means to the New York Jets and and the Rogers career. That's where we should start. Achilles tear and a lot of talk about the surface they play on. And any New York franchise in any league that is of a certain size has to be making money, unless you are the worst owner in the world. And even that you'll probably make a ton. Just just because it says New York on the jersey. So for a football player in 2023 to lose a career, and especially a Hall of Fame career, to turf is nuts. I remember watching Andre Dawson at the old Olympic Stadium turf, which was the worst turf in the history of humanity. And he lost a lot of foot speed. His knees were gone by the time he got to Chicago. And that's all about owners. Just so you know, that's all about owners. They can afford to put in new grass every week. And... Now, Rodgers, the, the season is, I know they won last night. What a ridiculous game that was. But there's just no flipping way they're going to get anywhere without, you know, a, a veteran quality impact quarterback. We'll see how it rolls out for the Jets. And Mark Canazaro will join us for the New York Post to talk about those that story. And then a, a little bit about the Giants, who look terrible as well. And the Bills lose. So every every New York football team has something to be very, very unhappy about today, except maybe the Cosmos. And the Bills, I mean, do you remember that James Ingram song, Find 100 Ways? Probably not. The, the, the Buffalo Bills had 100 ways they could win that football game last night, and they didn't do it. And now people are mad at the quarterback and mad at everything. I don't think you should be. I think they'll be fine. But my goodness... That that was a terrible effort, and sometimes you just you just it's a cascade. It's it just it starts, and you're like, well, if you know, fifteen more things went wrong, this team would lose, and then fifteen more things do go wrong, and what a catch! That was one of the, the because I think it was I think the first thing 
that happened on that play was that Garrett Wilson stopped an interception with with his hand, and then he caught it like it it, it was like a kind of a basketball play, and what a great athlete! What an, an amazing moment, and it was a key to the game. It's just that there were so many other keys to the game. That was a wild football game. Every once in a while, I remember years and years ago, there was a game, the Cardinals and somebody, and nobody could hit a field goal. And I think the Cardinals did win it, but it took them forever. And the the um, the kicker finally got one through to win the game. But that was, it, it was just, this was, this was like destroy your mind. My friend Travis Yost, who's a brilliant writer at TSN and a really smart guy, uh, he's, he's a, his only, his Achilles is I, I know that I shouldn't say Achilles on a day that after Aaron Rodgers has a tear, but Yost is a smart guy. His only weakness is the Buffalo Bills. He's logical, makes complete sense through all sports, except when it comes to the Buffalo Bills. And it's his blind spot because they're his team, and yet there they are. And I think they'll be fine. I still think they'll win the division, and they'll probably go deep in the playoffs and maybe win the, win the Super Bowl. It's just one game. And it does go to show, I heard Gregor talking about this yesterday, play your guys in preseason. Because there's a lot of players who they're like, okay, now I'm ready. you got to get ready for the year. You can't just drop a game. There's only like 17 of them all year. So you can't drop them like that. A few teams did this weekend. 12.06, this is Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. Want to talk hockey. I'm trying to I'm trying to go as slow as I can so I don't have to talk about Mike Babcock. I've got him right at the end. I've got six bullet points. We're two in. I'm about to mention the third one. My hope is we can get to 12:15 because I simply don't want to talk about Mike Babcock. Let's see if I can make it. Thomas Tatar. Now he is a he's a really good player. This is one is 1.5 million. This is one of the best signings of the summer for any NHL team. And I see people going, well, he's awful in the playoffs. Okay. But if they get Landeskog back and Tatar on the roster, Tatar might be like on the third line destroying opponents. If you're an Edmonton Oilers fan, this was not good news today. And that won't change all year long because Tatar will fill the net during the regular season and he might get a chance to do the same in the postseason. Tatar to Colorado isn't the worst result, but it's close. You can see it from there. Looks like Max Comtois is off to Vegas. That was a rumor. Then it wasn't true, and nobody talked about it. And now, apparently, it's done. That's not official yet. We'll have more coming up in our rumor segment at one twenty today. But I, I feel as though the Edmonton Oilers are done with... They're done with, with PTOs, I believe. Gagne and Sutter are the guys, and we'll see how the rest of it goes. I still think Lavoie makes the team. I think Ryan makes the team. I think Yanmark makes the team. That'll be the fourth line or whatever, the, the remnants and roll ends of a fourth line. A guy like Comtois would have been interesting. Okay. It's 12.08. I'm not going to make it. I'm going to have to talk about Mike Babcock. But first, I'm going to talk about the Toronto Blue Jays. Watch the game yesterday. There's two things I want to say. Sometimes you have to give the other man his due. And that Texas is a good team. So losing to them, you don't want to lose three of them, but you can win 
tonight and then maybe the, the, the final game of the series and you come out, you know, two out of three, you got a little bit of a lead. That's what you're hoping for. So losing that game last night wasn't a tragedy, as the BG said in a song, but it, it's something you'd like to, to kind of correct tonight, right? And the other thing is that Schneider, I remember one time Whitey Herzog did something with the Cardinals as manager, and it, it, it didn't work out. And Bill James said, you know, it's okay to make that unusual decision, but you better be right. And Schneider leaving in his lefty and then getting smoked on what was a five-run inning, I believe. And the game was still in the balance because the Jays' bats, you know, they, they're, they're, they're slumping a little bit right now, but they're capable, right? The Jays are going to make the playoffs. And with that, with that pitching staff, they'll be fine. We're going to talk to Cam Lewis about that pitching staff from Blue Jays Nation coming up later on this hour. Jays will be fine. It's just... Vladdy's got a hitch in his giddy-up right now. His, his, his In the field, he's playing as well as I've seen him. He made a really nice stab of a ball and then a great throw to second base on a double play last night when the game was still in the balance. Did very well. Very impressive. But at the plate, he's lunging a little bit. He's not getting anything uh, in the middle of the plate because the pitcher doesn't need to throw it to him because he's 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 reaching a little bit. He's just in a slump. It happens. It's a long season. But they need him to catch fire, and I think he will. It's it's called... Uh, I'm sorry. I just... I don't know what happened there, but I'll be fine. <laughs> when a when a player goes through a slump and, and you know there's a hot streak coming, uh, it's regression to the mean. And right now, Laddie's not there, but he will be. And... They need him to be. They need him to be very good down the stretch here. And I don't even know whether we're down the stretch. It's kind of the home stretch. What are they, 40 games left? 35? Something like that. Well, I haven't said hello to you yet. How are you doing over there? I'm doing great over here. No, I'm, I'm listening listening to you do your thing. I'm, I'm sitting back, tanking it all in. And, you know, like I said, I don't come here to step on toes. So I know my place and I know my role. And I'm very happy to be here listening. But it is good to talk to you. Doing well. And uh, hope you have a great show, Low Tide. <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> that was very did, well done. Did I sound I, insincere? Something no, I meant it no, wholeheartedly. You, you sounded okay. like yeah, I'm a little busy now. If you could just not call on me while I do my work, <laughs> I'll be fine. No, no, my ducks are in a row. My affairs are in order. I have, listen. If you want me to go on, I will. I will be rambling until the cows come home. I'm here. I'm ready to go. I'm set. No, <laughs> so I'm, call on me when needed. Okay, I'm, I've avoided this as long as I can. So we're going to go to break here on this. And then we're going to talk to, um, it's Mark Conazaro first, right? At 1220? Yes, from yeah. the NY Post. All right. So I don't know all the deets on this. So I'm just going to talk to you on on the gloss top, right? So Mike Babcock, apparently, I believe it was the Captain Boone Jenner, calls him in his office and he says, give me your phone. I want to see your photos. I want to see what kind of human you are. And... Now, the Blue Jackets are saying it didn't happen. The problem with NHL teams and ownership is that they've said, they've said that, like, 
so many times and then, you know, it, it, chances are it's at least possibly true. And I'm not even, I'm, I'm, I understand we're not at a point where we can say anything factually, but this is not the kind of thing I think you make up because who would make this up? And there's just so many red flags here. There just are. Like, first of all, I'm a, I'm in my sixties. I will give you my phone and I will give you my wall. You can look at anything you want. But if my employer asks me, then I just think that's a bridge too far. And I think everybody would agree with that. By the way, my employer has never asked me because they don't want to be bored to tears. You know, how many pictures of do I have of Ziggy in here? I'm going to say 300. And they're all basically the same photo. Dog ignores human. Human takes photo. And lately, because I don't know, because a lot's changed in my life, I take photos of myself after mocking people for selfies for a thousand years. And then I've got some pictures of my wife in there, my kids, obviously, uh, relatives of mine, my car. Um, the reason I take pictures of my car, and this is going to be weird, but I'm going to just tell you. Um, sometimes when I'm going, when I was going to the hospital a lot in the fall, I would get to the thing where you got to pay and you got to give your license plate number. And I know my license plate number. But I was very frazzled during that time, so I'd take a picture of my license plate number. And sometimes I take a picture of my, if I'm in a parking lot, I'll take a picture of my car with E22. So I'll know i got to go to Section E. Do you do that ever? I, I No, not really. Again, this is two days in a row, I think, where you've come at me with something and I've said, ah, yeah, no, I don't really do that. I understand no. the logic behind it. Uh, but no, I, when I go places, I go places I'm familiar with and I park at the same spot every time. Uh, and if it's somewhere I'm unfamiliar with, I'm usually with somebody who knows it. So I never really have that problem. But like I said, very logical, good head so, on the shoulders. Week one was support Al, support low tide. Yeah, and now week my- two, throw mm-hmm. low tide under the bus. No, the true colors are coming out a little bit oh, and I you're see, starting to realize yeah. how nasty are you, are I really Are you speaking am. with management right now about making this uh, uh, you know the changing the name of the show it'll be you know uh yeah no no i mean listen right. you think mark canazaro is coming on in 1220 it's actually <laughs> going to be management for your performance <laughs> review so you have that to look forward to but uh my i got i get uh, performance reviews for my dog i'm sure management would be easier to deal with i'm sure uh, you pass those ones with flying colors oh though. sure uh, anyway the, the mike babcock thing is just it's it's I'm just going to tell you this. Um, I'm an old person. I've been around a long time. Bullies don't change. They just don't. And hockey players have had to put up with bullies for a long time. They called them coaches back in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and some of the 90s. And slowly but surely, it changed. Where the players made so much and they were so valuable, you simply couldn't talk to them that way. You couldn't bully them. You actually had to use logic and reason and know what the you're talking about. And so when you see something like this, when you see this is a motivational tool, it tells you everything you want to know. And if you work for somebody who is like this, please leave. Find a job where you're respected. Find a job where you are appreciated. Find a job where somebody can look you in the eye and tell you why they've asked you to do something. I, I've, I've worked for bullies. I've worked with bullies. It never works. It never does. And you can give them enough rope, and sooner or later, it'll it'll come back on them. But honest to God, it is not worth it. 
it just it eventually they will fail because they can't motivate people and pretty soon the good people leave because they can and Columbus is a team that always likes to hire the guy who could these guys I know the owner I've never met him before but I can tell you right now he's a guy who thinks that people have been stealing from him and these players are lollygaggers and they got to be motivated and that's what happens in life. That's why you end up with stuff like this. It's too bad. I hope it's not true because Babcock short term would really help that team win. But if it is true, then I don't know how you can continue with them. That's just my opinion. Mark Canazaro on the way from New York Post. This is Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Did you hear about that Wisconsin bar last night? They offered free drinks if the Jets lost. Rogers goes down, then there's a big lead, and so people just start drinking because they know it's for free, and then at the end, they got to pay. So I don't know from a PR point of view, if you're the Wisconsin bar, I don't know what you do. I mean, people obviously, you know, they probably ran a tab way past, because good decisions are made in sports bars. I think we can all agree that's where you want to do all of your financial decision-making. What a story. Unbelievable. Mark Canazaro joins us now from New York Post to talk a little bit about the Jets, the Bills, Rodgers, and more. Let's start here. Four staffs for Aaron Rodgers. Awful for him and awful for the Jets and awful for the fans. Yeah, it was, you know, I tell you, if you've been around the Jets enough, and by the way, if I may interject, I've made a lot of very important decisions in bars uh, <laughs> over the years. Maybe not financial, but uh, uh, but I did like that intro and that, that bar setup. I, I'm curious how big that bar tab was. Oh my god, huge! Um, but no, if if you have, if, if if the people here that you know are the Jet diehards, when that happened, well, first of all, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little before that because we, we as sports writers, particularly those who have covered the Jets for a long time, it's an it's it's a rite of passage to become quite cynical. And uh, Vinny Testaverde was the an honorary captain last night for the coin toss. Now, this, the anticipation for this season having been acquired rivals that I've ever seen in Jet history more so than that 1999 season that the Jets had come off of the 98 season when they had made the AFC Championship under Bill Parcells with Vinny, with Vinny having his, Vinny Tetsford having his best year of his, of his life. And he tore his Achilles tendon in the, early in the second quarter of the season opener of that 99 season. So long before Aaron even took the field, there were a few cynics amongst amongst us that wondered what was going to go wrong in this game with Vinny Chesnaverdi doing the coin toss, uh, you know, with this anticipation <laughs> of the season and whatnot. And lo and behold, four, you know, four offensive plays in, you know, there you have it. I mean, it's it's so very Jets. Uh, you know, I hate to say it. I'm not, I'm not making fun. I feel terrible. I've got a... One of my best friends is a rabid Jet fan here. He's 75 years old, former FBI agent, and he texted me this morning and just said he was sick to his stomach. He said, I'm 75 years old. I don't think I'm ever going to ever see another Jet winner. This, it's never going to happen for me. I, like, I felt bad. I felt depressed about it for him. Yeah, so, it, I mean, it, it, is, it is comical in, in, in just in how calamitous it is, but it really is. How much of like because with New York, there's so many eyeballs on it, and so so many uh, you know 
I, I think Jets fans have Gallo's humor down. So as soon as I, I saw the play, I go online on Twitter and people are talking about the turf and born under a bad sign and the Jets and, you know, sign Kaepernick. And, and it's, it's, it's almost instantaneous where these people have, you know, it, it, like they've got, they've got all of these tweets and they're just waiting for something to happen that they can slide them out there. But how bad is the turf and how much is the turf responsible? I, the first of all, the turf is brand new. Second of all, I don't think the turf was. In, if you're going to take five things that were responsible, including the guy that you know, the, the sack, the fact that you know it was an awkward twist of of the leg, and the fact that he's turning forty in December, and also the fact that oh by the way he had a ca- a minor calf situation going on in training camp. If I'm taking five out five or six things that could have been factors there, the turf would have been the the, the, the sixth and last of them, in my opinion. Uh, I don't think that was the case at all. I think that injury would have occurred on grass, in my opinion. I don't think the way you you, you kind of saw the way that the the leg got twisted. It was just an awkward, you know, an awkward, you know, I think he was going to deke the linebacker. It just didn't work. And, uh, yeah, I don't think the turf was was the issue at all. I think it was just those other factors. It It was... I I, I didn't use the word curse yet because that's really the number one factor. (laughs) Uh, And I'm reading names like like Kaepernick, Carson Wentz. uh, They're not going to go there, right? Like they'll just continue along with what they have. I have a hard time. I could see them bringing a veteran in for insurance because I, I, quite frankly, I I have a hard time seeing Zach Wilson getting through 16 games. I mean, he almost got, you know, you know, decapitated a couple times in, in last night's game. Uh, you know, he doesn't get rid of the ball you know, quickly enough like Rodgers did, although ironically Rodgers was his own worst enemy on that play because he didn't get rid of the ball no. quickly enough. Uh, that really wasn't the offensive lineman's fault, Dwayne Brown, the left tackle. He was supposed to just do a, a quick cut block because it was supposed to be a quick pass. He was, he was in tears after the game last night, distraught, and that wasn't his fault. And I'm sure Aaron will come out publicly and, and state that at some point. But, um, yeah, I... I I don't know. I don't see them. First of all, Kaepernick. I, I think that's past its its due date, so to speak, or you know, its uh, sell by date. Um, and you know, uh, you know, maybe they try to make a deal for a Jacoby Brissett, you know, or something like that, or 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 a, a Gardner Minshew or something like that. No. I could see something like that to get to get, to get a veteran in, but they're so far along with the system and, and Paul Hackett's system and whatnot. Uh, or I should say, yeah, Paul Hackett's his dad. Um, in Hackett's system, I, I just don't, you know, I think they got to ride the course with Zach. And if it, you know, but I do think they need some better insurance. I'll, I'll be stunned if somebody's not signed by the end of today uh, or tomorrow. If uh, they got to get somebody in here. Mark Hennessar, our guest from New York Post on Lowdown with Low Tide at Sports 1440. That Wilson catch was actually, I think it was a, a, a stopping an interception and then a brilliant catch. That that was a key moment in the football game. Good throw, but, you know, uh, Garrett Wilson boxed the DB out and, uh, um, you know, just did an amazing job. He, he I, I was one of the things that bums me out selfishly with Aaron being hurt. And I certainly feel terrible for Aaron. It's been been everything he's done, all the right things, said all the right things. He's been as committed as, as the Jets could possibly have dreamt for, for him to be committed. The miss, the kind of season 
Jackson will Aaron Rodgers throwing in the ball. He had a potential to have a superstar season, yeah. uh, you know, with with that kind of quarterback throwing in the football. Offensive rookie of the year last year with with basically no NFL quarterback throwing footballs to him all year. So, but what could it have been like, you know, with Aaron Rodgers throwing it to him all year? Those are the kind of things you kind of bummed out to miss this year. Well, and they've got a great defense. I, I mean, I, they won the first game. I I don't expect them to get anywhere really, but but with that defense. You know, like, uh, how, where do you expect them to finish? Can they win eight, nine games without without Rodgers? I think they absolutely can, and and because of the defense, they won. They were seven and ten last year with with maybe the worst quarterback play in the last two decades. Um, I mean, they had. They, I mean, you know, they just they didn't have an NFL starting quarter caliber quarterback on the roster, and you could make the argument that they still don't right now. You know, it still remains to be seen how much Zach. Wilson has gleaned from Aaron Rodgers, who took him under his wing and whatnot. But, you know, I mean, you know, last night looked a lot like last year offensively to the Jets, you know, playing for field goals, basically, and playing survival. But I do think that, you know, the Jets defense, I think, has gotten even better than it was last year. And uh, and they have better offensive skill position than they had last year. So I, I think there's no question they can they can win nine, maybe even sneak to ten games and get themselves a wild card. But, you know, this was a season that the Jets were expecting to go out and win the division and, and be a Super Bowl contender. I don't think they could be a Super Bowl contender with with, with Zach Wilson, a quarterback, or Gardner Minshew, or Jacoby Brissett, or whomever. You know, name your plug-and-play guy, you know, Carson Wentz. Uh, but, you know, listen, I think they could still make the playoffs, and that would be a pretty good consolation after the, you know, the carnage that we saw last night. Final question is the most asked one that I've had here since I sat down uh, from fans, and it's on the other side of the ball. Uh, Bills fans are are crestfallen because of Josh Allen's performance. Was that a one-off? Do you see? Because he looked discombobulated, and you don't expect that from a an emerging young player who, who's on his way to being a, a quality veteran. I think that I think a couple things there on the, to answer that question. I think first of all. Um, I think the Jet, that Jets defense really has got Josh, Josh's number. Josh, is, Josh looks a little spooked against that defense. He, he, he scuffled against them last year, um, and they just seem to be in his head a little bit. And uh, I don't think that uh, – I, I just don't I, – I, you're going to see a lot better Josh, Josh Allen than you saw last night. Yeah. But turnovers are an issue for him, you know. Ever since Brian Dayball left and went to the Giants, Brian Dayball – stop the turnover issue. He was a turnover machine his first couple of years, if you remember. Dayball came in and shut that stuff down, as he did with, 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 with Daniel Jones with the Giants last year, his first year. And it seems like Josh has gone back to some of his old gunslinger ways a little bit, and, and they need to get that harnessed, because that's going to be a problem if, if they don't. Thanks for this. Appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right. Mark Panacero from New York Post. That was the wildest story in sports last night. The wildest story today uh, is obviously Mike Babcock. A, a release has been sent out from head coach Mike Babcock and Boone Jenner. I'll just read it very briefly, and then we'll take a break. Um, we're on the way. to Cam Lewis from Blue Jays Nation. Babcock says, while meeting with our players and staff, I asked them to share off their phones family pictures of part of the process of getting to know them better. There was absolutely nothing more to it than that. The way it's portrayed on the Spittin' Chicklets podcast was a gross misrepresentation of those meetings and extremely offensive. These meetings have been very important and beneficial, not only for me, but for our players and staff. And Boone Jenner says, while meeting with Babs, 
He asked me about my family and where I'm from, my upcoming wedding and hockey-related stuff. He then asked if I had pictures of my family, and I was happy to share some with him. He showed me pictures of his family. I thought it was a great first meeting, a good way to, for us to start to build a relationship. To have this blown out of proportion is truly disappointing. So it's he said, she said. And where did they get the, the – what I want to know is where did they – because they didn't come from not, nowhere. The, the Spit and Chicklets folks got it from somewhere. And I would just say this again because it's it's true of you and me and everybody. In life, you develop a past, and that past follows you. And a leopard doesn't change its spots. Okay, I've said my piece. Cam Lewis on the way from Blue Jays Nation talking about a pennant race that is worth following. This is Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's 1236. Lowdown with Low Tide, Sports 1440. That might be my favorite Christmas song. And I know it's not really a, you know, silent night kind of a Christmas song, but I love it. And I love that you played it in September. I Today I felt when I was driving to work, even though it was 15, if it had been like four degrees, maybe snow, it was cloudy, had that feel I don't know snore is a four-letter word, and Cam should be a four-letter word. Cam Lewis joins us now from Blue Jays Nation. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Texas is a good team, right? So you got to give the other man his due. This is going to be a, a, a sprint to the finish. Jays, I think, uh, I, I'm going to question the manager a little bit uh, and, and his pitching choices, but uh, they lost a game to a good team last night. Fair? They did, yeah, that's accurate. This is a this is a different series right now. This four gamer against the Texas Rangers than the Blue Jays have been used to from the past couple of weeks, right? There was Kansas City, Oakland, Colorado. Before that there was the Nationals, they're okay. There was Cleveland, they're decent, but by and large it was fifteen teams that weren't very good. The games weren't all that competitive, but the Rangers are right in the mix. They're one of the best teams in the first half of the season. They've struggled a bit lately because they're pitching they've kind of gotten tired guys reaching career highs and things pitched and they came into toronto yesterday credit to them and they you know they they started the series off with a bang they've been terrible recently the jays weren't amazing during that 15 game stretch against bad teams but they gained ground on the rangers largely because the rangers have been kind of falling off a cliff so credit to them they 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 came in and started things off really well I hate baseball, you know, wisdom because I, I, most of it has been debunked. But do you think that's something to that? Maybe when you're playing the the second division guys, the sisters of the poor, and then you come up against a really substantial team, maybe there's a little bit of um, shock in the in the early game in a series. I guess so. There, there's there's probably the case, but I mean, when you're the Blue Jays, I guess, and this is what. I think a lot of people have been kind of complaining about what the team this year is seeing as how their longest winning streak all year is like five or six games. <clears throat> they were at home and they had already just faced Kansas City. And you'd think even though the Royals aren't much of a team, they had, you know, two of those wins they had in that series were tight. They were exciting wins. That Sunday one with the wild pitches. The Jays should have had some momentum going into Texas, who they were themselves just playing the Oakland A's, a pretty bad team. So, I mean, if the Rangers can get on a plane after playing the Oakland A's and come to Toronto and have that level of energy. Whereas the Jays who are already at home established coming off a big win, can't match it. Then that's probably not a good sign. Cam Lewis, our guest from blue Jays nation on sports, 1440. 
and the lowdown with low tide uh, brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. I, I wonder about Vladdy Guerrero because you know he's wood, not leather, and yet I thought I thought he was great in the field last night. He made a great stab uh, to, and a great throw to begin a, a double play, and he did he did a lot of really good things around the base, uh, around first base. But he looks to me anyway. He's got a hitch in his giddy up. He's 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 lurching a little bit. He's not getting a good pitch because the pitcher doesn't have to throw him one. They need him to be Vladdy here right now. Fair. They really do. I mean, I think the, the, the team was largely constructed, at least the, the lineup, I guess, was constructed around the idea of Vladdy being an MVP caliber bat, and that just hasn't really happened this year. I mean, he's been productive, home runs and RBIs. It's, it's been fine, but it's nowhere near the expectation. And it's weird because, you know, his, his season last year in 2022 wasn't spectacular, but it was good. And then this year he starts things off in April and he looks great. He's, you know, laying off on everything, drawing a ton of walks, hitting for power, just looked like a very different, very dialed in hitter. And then in the month of May, there was, I think, two different injury issues. There was a stretch where he missed a couple of games when they were in Pittsburgh. He had a wrist issue. And then after that, there was a series against the Yankees. He fields the ball and then he has a knee issue and misses a couple of games, but never goes on the injured list. And kind of since those two injuries within the span of two or three weeks, uh, pretty much since the beginning of June, his, his numbers have really cratered. It looks like he's pressing. It looks like he's trying too hard. It looks like something's up. Like, Vladdy didn't just forget how to hit all of a sudden. It, it, it seems like there's something else at play here. That's fair because he's, you know, his, his doubles are going to end up being close to his career average. Uh, but he's he's off by ten home runs with like you know twenty games left to play. So there's something there, and I and I buy into that. I think there is something there. They they absolutely need him to to catch fire. Um, I I look at this pitching staff, man, and I it would be a tragedy if this staff doesn't get to the playoffs because there's it's strong enough that if they get there. They could go a lot farther than I think people believe simply because of the strength of the starting pitching. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I, I, I think we saw that in um, 2016 with the Jays. They went just as far into the playoffs as the 2015 team did. They wound up getting stopped by Cleveland, ironically, the whole front office connection. And at the end of the day, what it came down to in that series against Cleveland in 2016 is that Cleveland pick, Cleveland's pitching was just straight up better than Toronto's already very good pitching. And I think that this year's pitching staff, the 2023 one, is the best we've seen from this rendition of the Blue Jays easily. And I think it was better than that we saw in 2015 and 16 as well. It, it really is one. You have Kevin Gosman at the front. You have Yusei Kikuchi's pitching the best he ever has in his career, even better than he was in Seattle before they signed him. Tim Jin Ryu's come back. He's only pitching five innings per game, but I mean, it's five innings that are just as effective as they were in 2020 when he dragged him to a playoff spot in the shortened season. Bassett was rough yesterday, but I mean, if that's your fourth best option, then yeah. that's that's pretty good. Uh, Schneider takes a lot of heat, and I think deservedly so. Sometimes, um, how much pressure is is there on him to make the postseason, or is this just one of those things that occurs uh, for a manager in a season where it's tight? It's it's really hard to say. Actually, it's difficult to get a read on that because it kind of feels like. It feels like John Schneider's been their guy for quite some time. It, there was always talk about him. You might like think back to when Vladdy was doing his first home run derby. I think that was doing during the 2019 or 2021, whatever it was. Before Schneider was the manager, he was throwing balls to Vladdy at the home run derby. 
there was always talk about him being kind of viewed as a prospect himself when he was managing the double-A team, and it always felt inevitable he'd, he'd take over that job, and then the team did really well down the stretch last year when he took over for Charlie Montoyo. But then, of course, there was the big flub in the playoffs, and ever since then, it feels like the pressure is massive. The, the, the spotlight is certainly there. The media pays a lot of attention, as do the fans, but from the team perspective, I, I'm not sure if that pressure is necessarily matched. I mean, um, Schneider was given a three-year contract in the offseason, so it would be difficult to imagine the Jays pulling the plug after the, fir- the first full year. So I want to talk about Manoa because uh, he's he's one of my fa- I'm I'm not strictly speaking a Blue Jays fan but I'm a big Manoa fan because of the way he came in and you simply do not get players who arrive in the major leagues at his age and be as dominant as he was for well for certainly the a year and a half uh when he went 25 and 9 before this year now he's obviously off the pace something's wrong sometimes with pitchers it's just you know mental other times it's injuries plus uh but word from i think it was Jeff Blair that he never reported to AAA and reportedly hasn't been throwing bullpen or side sessions uh and it's unlikely he'll pitch again this year Th- this is a this is a big damn deal because he's a horse and they you know, ideally, you just don't let an asset like that, like, flitter away like this. Where are you on Manoa, and do you think maybe a reset in the winter is the way to go? Yeah, this is a, a really weird, complicated situation. I think I think a lot of people were willing to give Alec Manoa the benefit of the doubt while that whole thing was going on. He was demoted to AAA Buffalo following a poor start against Cleveland back in mid-August. Uh, then two weeks go by and we, we don't hear anything. He hasn't pitched. There's no stats, no information. And then the, informa- the, the, the word comes out that he's doing all these medical tests to see if he's injured and it's taken weeks for some reason. And then they, they decide nothing's wrong and he's going to go to Buffalo, become the sixth starter, continue to pitch. And I think a lot of people gave him the benefit of the doubt and said, yeah, this is a weird way the team has been managing this. Seems like communication's bad. And then the word comes out yesterday that it turns out that his camp was the one that was against the demotion because they didn't think that, I guess, uh, my interpretation based on what Ben Wagner said yesterday was that he didn't necessarily agree that his performance was poor enough to be sent down. Maybe he wanted to remain in the bullpen or doing something like that. Maybe there's, you know, the situation with the injury and the testing. Maybe he wanted to remain on the major league injured reserve rather than going down to AAA and getting paid like a minor leaguer. It's, there's a lot of information left to come out, but it's kind of hard to imagine at this point uh, that, that, that things are going to look good between the Blue Jays and Alec Manoa at any time soon. But that being said, there's, there's already been suggestion. I think it was John Morosi that came on radio in Toronto and said, teams will be asking the Blue Jays about Manoa in the offseason, whether he's you know a reclamation project for a different team, but... I can't imagine it would be wise for the Blue Jays to trade a player at this point in their career after having the worst season they've ever had by far. I think as sticky as, and ugly as things might be, I, I, I would venture that the Blue Jays would grind through it and stick with the player in this situation. That's exactly fair. Thank you for this, Cam Lewis. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right, Cam Lewis from Blue Jays Nation. Smart guy. We've had him on many times and, well, on the other station, and we'll have him on many times again. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers have released their rookie list, rookie uh, roster. I'm just very briefly going to do this, and then we're going to have a few texts, then we'll talk about it more uh, during the 1 to 115 segment. 
because there's a lot to get to here. The guys you expect that will be there, like Xavier Borgo, uh, Tyler Tulio, Bo Aiki, that group are, are coming. So the, the, the high picks that you would expect are going to be here. Um, Max Wanner, who's not a high pick, but is a guy who's very interesting because of his, uh, play. Matt v. Petrov, Carter Savoy are going to be there. Jaden Grubb, who came from uh, via trade with the New York Rangers, played with uh, Red Deer last year in the WHL and would be one of the better centers, I think, uh, at this camp for Edmonton. Uh, goaltenders are Nathan Day, Joey Roca, Zachary Bowen. So that's an area of, of, of very young talent, but they're all tall trees. And just looking at the, the names that I see and going, okay, well, who here, maybe people will want to, you know, look up on Google and see if they can find anything about them. Nate Gansky is 67202. I'm sorry, I, I get that wrong. Noah Gansky is 67209, uh, from, uh, Wisconsin. And he's a camp invite. He would be a guy you want to look at. And the other one that I'm interested in, there's several names that are, that are interesting to me, but I'll, I'll choose Brady Stonehouse, who's an undersized skill winger, great passer, great scoring totals, 37 goals a year ago in the OHL. He's a camp invite along with Jake Sloan and Ethan DeJong, who's a, a camp invite, but he is signed to an AHL contract by the Bakersfield Condors. He's a little bit older player, uh, for this, for this camp. He's a guy you want to pay attention to as well. So. That's the first little bit of news from the Edmonton Oilers about what's happening. And some of those guys will end up in main camp, like Borgo and others who are Tatertulio. Uh, then the junior kids will head back. So you, we've had a lot of texts come in. So we're going to read through a few of these and then uh, we'll take a break. And we'll have more texts and we'll talk about this uh, development roster the Edmonton Oilers have just published. Uh, hey, guys, you make a great team. I'm wondering if the upload times of the podcast will be faster as we go on. I know you responded to this particular texture. Can you tell folks who are curious about that what the situation is? Yeah, absolutely. So we are in the process of getting an FTP server, so that way we will be able to download the audio as soon as the hour ends, clip it up, and uh, upload it. We're still on the memory stick system like I've talked about before. So, yes, we're it's in the works. We're the, the process is going. The, the feet are moving. We're going to be getting the uh, podcast up, up sooner, up faster. Uh, it's just going to take a little bit of time so I, I ask kindly for everyone's patience but but yes definitely it will be up sooner uh, and it will be up sooner sooner than later sooner sooner a lot of sooners right. later oklahoma boomer well, yeah sooner. i was gonna say what's the what's yeah. the sooner state oklahoma uh, yeah oklahoma you sooners go. do you know why it's called sooners uh well it was it wasn't it like a chuck wagon or something that drove across <laughs> the state or am i am i making that up is that revisionist history i believe what it was they were and they did it in canada too they were giving out homesteads parcels of lands uh and and i think that that it was one of the early states and then there were going to be more that were were opened up, and I think that's why it became the Sooner State. So I was completely off base. No, Not I even think there were chuck wagons involved. I so. think they were there, but I don't think it was. It well, has I don't anything think to do it with had the to do with the chuck no. wagon. So I was completely off base. But you is know, what I'm hearing. I mean, you're coming back at me a little bit here, a little well, give and take. Finally, I, <laughs> you're calling me I, out on my boots. It just made me laugh, and I snorted a little bit. <laughs> that's um, how bad my take was. No, it, it wasn't. It was across just, the desk. There are there's a thing where your your brain is shocked, and I was a little bit. I did not expect that from you um 
Hear me out, low tide. What if Noah Gregor were, uh, pulls a Versteeg and uses the Maple Leaf camps as an addition to jump ship back to his hometown team? One can dream from Delta Valley Jeff. Look, he's a good player. He's very fast, and he's the kind of guy that Toronto traditionally will sign and then use in a depth role. But I think he'll be in the NHL this year, and I suspect it'll be in Toronto. But if not, the Otters would be wise to reach out. I saw Stonehouse play early in the year in Ottawa. Seems like a pest always uh, in someone's face after the whistle. You'd like to see that. Gregor doesn't kill penalties. That's why he hasn't signed yet. Yeah, I, I mean, lots of young players don't kill penalties. So I don't think that's specific to him. Uh, I saw him play in San Jose with the Barracuda and also with the Sharks. And I think he's an NHL player. That's my belief. Al, do you find it odd that Brett Bruchu wasn't invited to rookie camp signed by Fort Wayne Comics? Comets, not the comics. Um, we don't know that, the, you know, we don't know what the situation is. They I, they drafted Nathaniel Day, so they want to have a look at him. Brochu's record was, was really good in junior, but I'm just going to look him up now, so I'm typing. Um, and that that is a process that may land me with somebody other than Brett Brochu. He's six foot one seventy six. That's the reason he's undersized for the NHL. That would be your number one reason, uh, in my opinion. How's Goudreau feeling about his long term deal now? And the coach is wanting to see your personal pictures. Well, we've got we've got the Columbus and the Babcock side of that now, so it looks a little different. We'll see. I have to confess that the photo in my car license plate in the parking lot and pictures too, because that's all I have in my phone as well. I'm glad I got that off my chest. Well, it's a thing where I get to the little goopy thing and I got to remember my credit card because I think that's all it takes. And it's like, it's a thing and, and it's not a function I do a lot and anything that I don't do a lot, you know, like eating healthy is very difficult for me to, to get going. Um, don't know what the secret life of Walter Mitty is about. My Commodore is saying it's 109% true. Well, Commodore has, you know, I mean, he's got some experience there, so I'll leave it to you to decide whether that's good or bad. Jays, the, uh, Ty, the Jays have 18 games left. Season is almost over. Yeah. But they, they, like, they have to win 10 and they're in, right? Like, one of these two teams will fade. Uh, by that, I mean Texas or Seattle. Tide, what are your thoughts on the Otis win total projection this season? Ah, uh, what did they do last year? What did the Edmonton Oilers do last year? I, I because I I think that their offense is going to be a little bit less. Like I think I think the power play the you can't bet on the power play being that good. You just can't. But I think they're going to be a better team overall and at five on five. So they won fifty games a year ago. I'll say they win fifty three this year, and I do think they'll win the division, and I do think they'll win the Stanley Cup. And I've said that before. Death by a thousand cuts for the Bills. It really was. It was. It was not good. Thoughts on Mason Shaw? Well, I think the Oilers are done. I I, I don't think they're. You know, maybe they sign somebody to a contract, and maybe it's Mason Shaw. But this would be the time for that to happen. Um, honestly, I'm not sure the Edmonton Oilers will do anything now. They they have Gagne. They I think they like based on what Gregor said. They like Sutter. 
So th- that might be what you're looking at. You might be looking at the team with maybe Kajula, Gagne, and Lavoie headed to Bakersfield and Sutter staying. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Something like that. There's five guys for one job, basically. And now they've got to figure out what it is. Okay. Hour number two coming up. We have NHL rumors at 120. Going to read a lot of your comments, and we're going to go over that rookie roster that we'll see starting Friday night uh, in Penticton against the Winnipeg Jets. We'll do all of that on the way. This is Lowdown with Low Tide, powered by Wolf GMC Buick on Sports 1440.